into the theater and the usher nods me in. They know me here. I descend down the staircase behind the movie screen that only select people know about. The door at the bottom opens and I walk in. The sound of movie spoilers fill the air. The barkeep has my drink ready and motions me to the back. The rest of the crew are here already. This is my type of place and these are my type of people. Join me as we discuss the inner secrets of cinema. Have a seat in the spoiler room. And here we are in the spoiler room. We are live and we're playing it loose tonight as we talk about a 1933 film, Duck Soup. And why are we talking about Duck Soup? Well, me and some of the crew had the pleasure once again of coming together in Stevens Point and playing in the world's largest trivia contest, Trivia 48. And with me tonight to talk about Duck Soup, which was the featured trivia movie, if you will, the kickoff film that they show to help kind of kick off the festivities that lead up to the contest. Uh, but in the room for me tonight is Dawn, the diva of the spoiler room herself is here with us. Hello, Dawn. Hello, Mark. Hello, gentlemen. Hope you have uh, started to recover and catch up on some sleep. Starting to. <laughs> Starting to. And, and next to Don, back in the spoiler room with us, once again, it is the BFD, Mr. Glenn Bittner. Hello, Glenn. Hello, Mark. How are you, sir? I'm good, thank you. Oh, good to hear, good to hear. And next to Glenn, returning to the spoiler room again, second week in a row. You might make this a habit. Better be careful. It is Steve Waltersdorf. It is Doc. Hello, Doc. How are you? I'm good. I am non-trivial, only in my brain. I just didn't. <laughs> I'm the one that didn't. You are the one that didn't show up. For Come to the dark the side. The abuse has begun. It's all well. <laughs> but we are, we are glad you are here with us tonight in the spoiler room because you are a, uh, a Groucho Marx, a Marx Brothers fan. And so I thought it was appropriate to have you in here, though you did not play trivia. You are familiar with tonight's movie that we're talking about, which is the 1933 Marx Brothers film, Duck Soup. <laughs> See you at the theater tonight. I'll hold your seat till you get there. After you get there, you're on your own. Hello? Hello, yes? No, he's not in yet. All right, but goodbye. That was for you again. I wonder what ever became of me. I should have been back here a long time ago. They got gone. We got gone. All got killed.
Now, duck soup has got a rather, rather interesting history with it. But for those of you who aren't familiar with the film, it is about a man named Rufus T. Firefly, who is named president slash dictator of the bankrupt country of Fredonia. And it declares war on neighboring Sylvania over the love of a wealthy female named Mrs. Teasdale. Duck soup. Wow. Let's go with Glenn first. Glenn, what are your initial feelings to duck soup? My initial feelings to duck soup? Yes. Hmm. That's a good question. I'll give you three guesses. <laughs> I, I, I love duck soup. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a Marx Brothers fan. This is uh, probably my favorite Marx Brothers movie. Really? Um, it's between it's it's between this and Night at the Opera, mm-hmm. so um, just you know I I, I like the humor I, li- I like their style of particularly Groucho his style of humor and uh, the uh, the way he interacts with uh, with the other brothers I mean it's they had a very unique chemistry uh, particularly the, the three of them uh, Chico Harper, Harpo and uh, Groucho um, poor Zeppo though. Poor yeah, poor Zeppo, especially with this film. Uh, <laughs> well, this was his last one. Yeah, yeah, I know. I was reading yeah. some of the trivia about it. I did realize that this was this was his last one because he got tired of being kind of the straight man, the butt of all the jokes and such. Ha! Mm. Sorry. This, yeah, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> you, well, he was kind of deemed the unfunny Marx brother. <laughs> so. Which um, is... Well, I suppose we'll get into it, which is not really a fair assessment of him, but I understand yeah. why it happened. Yeah, we'll we'll get into a uh, little bits of that as we talk about the film a little more. And uh, Don, how about you with uh, your initial feelings with Duck Soup? Do you, do you enjoy it? Do you not enjoy it? Uh, I did find it. I did enjoy it. I did. It, I found it completely enjoyable and entertaining. Um, again, Groucho Marx has a singular uh, style, which has been mimicked and incorporated into standard throughout the years and Harpo and Chico too, beyond compare. And, yeah. and as far as duck soup itself, it's, it's a great movie. It just is. It is. It's it. it I, I feel the same way. It's a fun movie. It always has been. I've always enjoyed it. Actually, I don't think there's a Marx brother film. I don't enjoy, but this one and night in the opera though, are, are probably two higher ones on my list. Uh, definitely. And and Doc, how about you? You're you're the Barks Brothers fan. We got to see this a while back with uh, uh, the only, was it, the only authorized or sanctioned uh, Groucho Marx impersonator back in Oshkosh many moons ago. Uh, how do you feel about Duck Soup? I was wondering if you're going to remember when we went and saw Frank. That's cool. Um, no, I, I, I have a, a fondness for the history of entertainment, especially for comedy, for whatever reason. And I got to see Laurel and Hardy and Three Stooges and some other acts like that as as more of a child. I didn't have an opportunity to see the Marx Brothers till I was a little older for whatever reason. I, I don't know if they just weren't available in the packages or if I just kept missing them or whatever. But it was one of those deals where I read about them, I knew about them, and then suddenly I got to see them and I went, yep, this is good. <laughs> and the fascination began rather quickly. At that point, so yeah, we've I've, I've gotten to see Frank Ferrante's uh, Groucho Marx show twice, uh, and in a couple weeks it'll be three times because he's in Milwaukee right now. 
Oh, is he in Milwaukee? For about two months, he's playing the rep. Really? So wow. he's been here since late March. He's got till late May. I've got tickets for a couple of Fridays from now. I'm a little excited. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is going to be a slightly different show from the ones that we I got to see, and then I got to see with you, where he was. It was more of an auditorium. Uh, he's got. They've got it set up more like a cabaret, I think, so he can walk out into the audience and abuse the the audience a little more promptly. Uh, yeah, Frank has the ability to put on makeup while he's talking to you on stage and turn around and suddenly he's groucho for like two hours. It's very fascinating because, as Dawn noted, uh, this act in general um, latched onto people's attention. Groucho became a, a very, you know, out of the, the main brothers, probably the most recognizable in style and look. So it's very easy to do an impersonation of him it's very difficult to actually impersonate him and do right. the act because it, it gets drawn in very wide, uh, wide, broad strokes. A lot of times Groucho and, and, and the rest of the Marx brothers and to do it in a fine tuned manner that actually feels like that person is there interacting with you. It's, it's, it's a very different experience and, and that's something Frank can do. And that's, it's fun to have that connection with this weird past that fascinates me. So, and we get to see when we get to see in Nashkash the night before he actually mm-hmm. hosted a viewing of Duck Soup. Yes, um, which was a lot of fun. There and, was a child under ten laughing its head off, and it made me feel hope for the new generation. <laughs> it did, uh, but yeah, th- this film really just has some wild history. Like as we mentioned already, it was uh, was it Zeppo's last film because he. He with the Marx Brothers. In fact, they broke up after this, if I remember correctly, um, because of it. They're, he just completely cut. Which, as you mentioned, Doc, I, I don't think he was not funny. He was just the straight guy, but he had his own kind of humor to him, don't you think? In this film, totally. Uh, it's not as much on display in this film, but uh, even in the short brief uh, sequences he has as, as Groucho's secretary, mostly interacting with Groucho, the timing that they have together is, is really, you know, like is really impressive. Like you said, the chemistry between the brothers is very solid. The problem becomes because Zeppo is the straight man character. He doesn't have a distinctive character apart from that. So in every film, he's just doing whatever the plot kind of needs him to be in that role. He's he doesn't have a distinctive Groucho character or or Chico or Harpo, so he immediately stands alone at that point because he's just the guy. And right. you can tell that the the movie still needed that character because the movies after that still have a Zeppo character. It's just not Zeppo doing them. Even some of the earlier ones had Zeppo characters that Zeppo's not playing. Because, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, like in uh, Night of, the, I believe in Night of the Opera, it's Alan Jones that essentially ends up being the Zeppo character. The only difference is they've kind of merged the singing star and the Zeppo character together a little bit more to streamline the group. So, but it's it is kind of sad to see Zeppo go. And this is the last of the Paramount films too. Uh, mm-hmm. Their deal broke up. They were kind of at a weird crossroads in their career and it's you know it's apparently just chico on a poker game talking to the right guy at the right time that keeps them going over to uh, <laughs> do stuff like night at the opera no it's um didn't uh zeppo go to work with uh brother gummo in uh some talent agency yes do not weep for zeppo 
Zeppo oh, yeah. was a multimillionaire. <laughs> he yeah. did yes, fine. Yes, he was. He was an engineer and a theatrical agent. He did just fine. <laughs> he was probably yes. better off than he was better off than, than some of the boys were for a while. Was, well, you know, Chico just kept wasting away his money. That's part of the why the boys kept working as long as they did. They at, even at this point, they're not young. They just they've only been in movies for a couple of years, but they were playing vaudeville and all sorts of other circuits for a couple of decades. They were very seasoned performers. Probably, hang on, they were probably close to our age, which is a sad <laughs> thing. Yeah, Zeppel was born in 1901, so at this point, well, at this point, he's only in his mid 30s. But Groucho yeah. was probably a good 10 years older than him. So, yeah, it's it's interesting uh, that they hadn't done that many films. <laughs> you know, I think it's one of those where people think they did a lot more as far as films than what they did. <laughs> you know, there's about a dozen of them. Just most of them aren't very good but you get past <laughs> a certain point right right i mean they're, they're not well remembered anyway right but doug soup definitely is especially namely for uh, uh groucho marx's rufus t firefly character glenn how'd you feel about when we first really get to meet mr rufus t firefly uh, it's classic groucho mm-hmm. in, in every in every way shape and form um i mean the whole when they play the the song for him to show up and he doesn't show up and doesn't show up and then he comes down the fire pole and he's standing there with the crowd watching, waiting to see who's going to come. I yeah. mean, just, yeah, just absolutely perfect. Uh, I I was trying to take notes because for the contest for trivia, uh, during the 54 hours where they're asking you trivia questions, you know that they will ask some about the trivia movie. Could be anything. And I found it extraordinarily hard to take notes during the opening scene with Groucho because him being him, that first batch of dialogue he has with Mrs. Teasdale, it still floors me. And I watched it like four times in two weeks (laughs) with the subtitles on even. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's one of those things where he's it's classic Groucho. So he he's a master of the dialogue. So you miss like, a quarter of the jokes to half of the jokes because you're too busy laughing at the previous. Yep. Well, that's previous. why they changed the pacing for Night at the Opera and Day at the Races. That's why they toured with those so they could time out how long the laughs would last and then pause it so that you weren't missing as many jokes. Oh, really? Is that? Yeah. That was part of the reason why. This They could build some of the sketches up, and that's why with some of these, it's just they're very dialogue-heavy. You know, they're, they're still working from the early plays to some degree, like Animal Crackers and Coconuts were, where those were stage shows that they knew inside and out and just bam, 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 and would go. And they realized they had to let a movie breathe a little bit more because they couldn't judge the laughter like they can in the, in the, in the stage. Yeah, I, I guess that's true. You, you're filming it, so you're not really knowing what your audience is laughing at. I mean, from when he starts with pick a card. and she, All right, I still got 51. Keep one. I've got 51 more. Yeah. They'd only, this is 1933. They've had sound. They've been working sound for three or four years now, pretty much. Mm-hmm. This is still a new concept. Just the whole idea of being able to hear them. That's why they weren't really popular before. Mm-hmm. They, they appeared in some silent films that, but they're in bits and pieces that most of them aren't known to exist. And they needed sound yeah. <laughs> for Groucho, <laughs> if nothing else. 
Don, how about you? How'd you feel about our introduction and, and that first batch of dialogue with Mr. Uh, Rufus T. Firefly? So here's one where I'm going to go off on a tangent because go ahead. <clears throat> I, again, as, as Glenn said, classic Groucho. However, it would not have been nearly as good or as classic if Groucho would not have had the most amazing, most gifted and talented straight man ever opposite him. And I'm talking about the Marx brother who wasn't a Marx brother, Margaret Dumont. Oh, yes. Groucho yes. counted her as a Marx brother. Exactly. Yeah, Margaret was awesome. Uh, she was with them from the beginning at Vaudeville. And it, for me, without her fantastic, um, she was such a great straight man that people honestly believed she didn't get the jokes. Mm -hmm. And for me, if those two wouldn't have had that fantastic chemistry, that, that perfect timing of working together and being such good friends like you and doc, um, <laughs> you two are ridiculous. Anyhow, um, if, if you wouldn't have, if, if they would not have had all that history and chemistry, I'm not convinced it would have been as good. I I can see that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, as much as Zeppa was the straight man of the of the actual brothers, she was a better straight man. She was actually. You, you're absolutely right. Especially some of those scenes where it's like she is keeping not only the straight face but in character and everything. And it, I that had to be a challenge sometimes, especially with how chaotic it would get when the three of them. The three brothers were together, or all four brothers, but especially when Chico, Harpo, and, and Groucho would get together. That had to be tough to do. <laughs> That's a lot of well, practice. Because you see her break that, sometimes. But some of those, yeah, and, and mm -hmm. some of those jokes were pretty harsh. <laughs> and she just she kept it together. Mm -hmm. I can see you now, bent over the stove, cooking dinner, and I can't yeah, see the can't stove. See <laughs> it's like that's, oh. a com that's a weird compliment but you could argue it's still a compliment it's just a weird <laughs> compliment um because there uh like you said there there is that for a long time people just thought well, she doesn't get it that's how she can do this if you go i, I watched this clip then after watching duck soup today in the animal crackers uh there's a part where it's the the bigamy sequence where he's talking uh, to Margaret Dumont and another lady, you know, expressing, oh, well, they, we should both get married. And there's a moment where he said, if, I kept watching her. Mm -hmm. And she's straight, she's she's reacting in the, the amused, charming way that she's supposed to be in character. And then there's a point where he says bigamy, and she turns away from him and is fighting the biggest smile <laughs> and pulls it together <laughs> within seconds. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, if there's any, if anybody needed any on-screen evidence that she gets these jokes and she's acting, that's a great piece of evidence for that. Because she's very clearly trying to go <laughs> and just yeah. lose it and holds, pulls it back in. And every, and at the time, I know he's going to watch this more than once. It'll be fine. They'll note, nobody will notice she did that. Everybody noticed she did that. It's great. <laughs> well, I just like how she almost always played that, you know, that wealthy society matron. Which was basically her real life. Mm -hmm. I mean, her husband was—I mean, was like a multi-millionaire. Like I don't remember what he was. Uh, 
but just he was like super, I mean, like super rich, like, you know, beyond normal Hollywood rich people. And uh, I'm just, I was reading her bio and it's like, she would often commute uh, from Paris. Oh, <laughs> one of one of one of her mansions in Paris. So yeah, it's, uh, but yeah, I mean, Groucho, Groucho said that he, he wasn't sure if he really understood their humor all the time, mm-hmm. but I think she's just that she's that good at being a straight man or a straight woman, I guess. Yeah. And, and considering she, she went on to work with uh, Bob Hope, W.C. Fields uh, and a ton of other talent. Um, she obviously was talented enough to be snatched up by these huge names. Yeah. Yeah. She it, it was. And you need you needed a person like that for when you're dealing with these characters. I mean, Obviously, Groucho front and center playing the Rufus T. Firefly dictator guy. But then we've got our two quote-unquote spies, Ciccolini and Pinky, played by (laughs) Chico and Harpo. And they play spies for Sylvania. And I use spies in quotes because... As spies go, they they were they were not very good. Uh, <laughs> but uh, with these two, I I, I love their introduction as well. Uh, Doc, how, how'd you feel with the way we bring in Harpo and and Chico's characters into this movie? Yeah, fool you good, eh, boss? Yeah, I mean it's both. Both of those characters, especially Harpo, have this weird childlike quality to them. So it's hard to take a lot of, admittedly, they do some really unpleasant things sometimes. I mean, the whole the whole destruction sequence, even though I know that was a, a style of comedy at the time, uh, much like Laurel and Hardy's big business short, mm-hmm. it, it does seem that they're being very antagonistic often, but they do it in such a good humored sort of way it's hard to stay too mad at them it's like an early bugs bunny cartoon before they this is the the last stage before again they realize a lot of things before thalberg teaches them some things to get to a next level where they realize they need some sympathy on those characters before they start fighting back they can't just fight back to begin with because it doesn't seem as right but right away they're there and there's a ridiculousness to them so in a in a a weird sweetness. So even when Harpo starts chasing girls and, and Chico's and, and he's cutting up things and and Chico starts to just explain how the fact that basically they've done nothing for the, the last two weeks, but it sounds like they've done a lot of things. <laughs> you can't stay too mad at him. He's very charming. It's that was yeah. apparently Chico. That was that was him in real life. He could talk himself in and out of all sorts of trouble. I object. <laughs> sustained uh, sustained why do you sustain i didn't couldn't think of anything else to say <laughs> why'd you object i couldn't think of anything to say why'd you sustain it i couldn't think of anything either your styles are definitely you, you you get the harpo in here with especially with the being the girl chaser i i particularly like the scene where our sylvanian uh guy who's trying to take over fredonia calls in his secretary by pressing a number <laughs> and as she leaves Harpo goes to press the number again, and Chico goes, ah, ah, ah. He knows already. <laughs> like, he knows already. Well, 
Harpo was kind of the loose cannon on set, wasn't he? Didn't he always have that kind of reputation of you weren't quite sure what he was going to do? Or was that um, more of an act? That's his character. Mm-hmm. He's he's animal from the Muppet Show in that regard. <laughs> he, you know, it, it, Chico was the one that you you couldn't find because he oh. was off, be off playing cards somewhere. Sure. He'd be ready to film, and he wouldn't be nowhere to be found. Glenn, how'd you feel about uh, Harpo in this film? Did he feel a little like a loose cannon, or do you think a lot of that was scripted? I think it's a script as much as Harpo stuff is scripted. Mm-hmm. Um, I I mean I don't know particularly uh you know how he performed it i haven't read that much about him individually but i think there's a fair degree of improv in his in his work that's fair. uh i think this it's kind of a more generalized and it's like he does something along this lines and he does i mean somebody has to because obviously other people are in on some of the stuff you know right. the whole thing with with the, with the horn with the, the, the lemonade in it obviously the other guy's in on the joke because he does something with it too so um, I mean, unless they're all just that good at just winging it. That which was I doubt. Edgar Kennedy, though. So, huh? Yeah. It was Edgar Kennedy. It's entirely yeah. part. So, well, you did have have his running gag with the leg, though, which which I almost think was just a, a impulse thing, and you weren't quite sure when. You know, I wonder if that's one of those things where, well, you're in a scene with Harpo, no, and at some point, we don't know when he's going to put his leg in your arm. <laughs> It, because the way they did it, but I, I just, I always, I love that ruddy gag. And that, he, he did that in a number of films, didn't he? Not just this one with the leg, you're putting the leg in, in someone's hand. Oh, yeah, he's done that before. Yeah. Though this is the first one, I think, on third, first or only film, or one of the first ones where he didn't actually play a harp. Mm-hmm. He, he played the strings on a piano, but he didn't actually play a harp, which I thought was also interesting with this film. Uh, Don, how about you? What did you think of our two spies, Ciccolini and uh, Harpo? Did no, I thought they that? were fun. I, yeah. I really enjoy Harpo's physical comedy. Um, it, it does get a little, and I don't want to use the term malicious uh, because that was the style at the time, um, but it, it, it does push that line a little bit for my personal taste, but I do understand and appreciate it was the style for the time. I, I really enjoy his physical comedy because in it, it's like a sleight of hand you don't know what he's going to do next with the swapping of the hats the putting the leg in the hand or the hand putting the leg in the hand <laughs> and there has to be a level of cooperation with the people that with the other people and and the crew the other actors because you can't just you know whip out a giant pair of shears and start cutting things off without people freaking out a little bit or at least flinching <laughs> so there has to be a, a level of trust or a level of cooperation that's that's there. So, yeah, and and with Chico, a, again, that's that's a good. I think I I was listening to an uh, I read listening to an interview with with Groucho, um, where he actually called Chico the straight man. And I'm just was a little confused, and yet, but if but with the three of them. Chico would be the closest to a straight man. Yeah, I could, I can see that. Chico had his own play on words like Groucho, but in a different style. He was more of the, the punny guy, if you will. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. wh- whereas Groucho was the the slight of words, like the the, the, the 
you know, the double meaning. I'm I'm not versed in English. Double like autonomous. Thank you. You know, uh, stuff along that lines. Uh, That's they, a French word. <clears throat> I know it is a French word. Speak French to me. No, uh, <laughs> but like like the courtroom scene, as we alluded to here before, we get to the scene where <laughs> almost felt just a little improv where. Uh, was it a Groucho had said something and Chico did a play on words on that. And Groucho looked at him for a minute and then Groucho says another word and then says, there you go. Get out of that one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. That was, that was the objection. Yeah. Abjunct. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, The abjunct line. And it, you know, it almost felt like that was just a little improv. And we're talking 1933, so we're not talking about like today where you can shoot a film on your phone and do multiple takes. Glenn, would you say that the way they filmed this also kind of had an effect on how they uh, approach these scenes comically? Probably. Well, I mean, because we get longer takes in here. You don't get as many, you know, cuts as what you might see in a today's, like, comedy or any movie. Um. Well... I think cuts in general were a lot different back then mm-hmm. um, where you didn't have as many, cause I mean, you didn't have as many camera angles and you didn't, you know, you didn't have 58 cameras filming from every possible, you know, well, we have to have 12 crane shots and we need to have, you know, this pocket cam and we need the vampire mouth cam. And, you know, we didn't have all these different angles for everything. So I think it just looks like it's, it's these more, these longer shots. I mean, I'm sure a lot of that is spliced footage together still for multiple takes. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I, I find it hard to believe that that whole mirror thing was all <laughs> perfectly done in one <laughs> shot. Yeah. Um, and there's even bits where you can see that he's not quite on, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm sure a bit, but I, th- I think it's more just a sign of the times when it was made. I mean, figure too, this was made during the depression. Mm-hmm. So, uh, film in general is expensive and, you know, they probably weren't trying to, they're probably trying to, you know, be as frugal as possible with a lot of stuff as they could. Yeah. The, the famous mirror scene in particular, we, uh, see that mimic a, a number of times, including Bugs Bunny, I think did it at, <laughs> at least once, didn't he doc? I believe so. It, it's mm-hmm. the mirror scene is. How can I put this? I, I I thought of a way to say this earlier. They did not originate this joke, if you will, mm-hmm. but they kind of took it to a level that may not have been seen quite before. And by doing that, they became kind of the holders of the the, the record or whatever. So every mirror scene after that reflects, no, well, I guess pun intended, uh, yeah. this one as opposed to any of the other ones. It's... Uh, it's it's like the coconut gag in in Monty Python and the Holy Grail. It's not that they came up with the joke, but everybody after that point remembers them for doing the joke. Um, I know Max Linder did it in the twenties in a silent film, at the very least, and I, there's other variations of it certainly. Um, but heck, even Harpo, Harpo, in trivia. Harpo, I'm sorry. <laughs> Harpo even did this with with Lucy Ball, uh, Lucille Ball on, on the on I Love Lucy once. So that's part of the iconic quality of the sketch uh, in that regard. But yeah, I think it changes camera angles a couple of times if memory mm-hmm. serves. So they had 
and by the end, yeah, they are falling apart. That's part of the joke is that Harpo's not keeping tabs as, as much as he was anymore. But it yeah. fascinates because they're brothers that all it takes is changing the makeup a little bit. And at a glance, it is very, it takes a moment to tell which brother is which. There's a, a story that may or may not be apocryphal uh, about when they were doing some of the shows on the stage and uh, one, uh, Groucho apparently wanted the day off or something like that. I don't remember the exact details of the story, but he just decided he wasn't going to be there and he went and saw the show or something and Harpo was playing Groucho is the story. <laughs> and he put on the makeup. Nobody could tell the difference. He knew all the lines because he'd been in there. And it, it just showed how, if indeed that's true, how versatile they are, and at the same time, how much alike you know. It's a lot of that is the makeup. You know, I read that all Zeppo, I'm sorry. I, go ahead. I read that Zeppo did a very good Groucho as well. I can believe it. You know, when you when you're around people for long periods of time, or you know, siblings where you interact a lot, it becomes a little easier to do versions of them. I was going to well, say mock them, but that didn't seem quite fair necessarily. <laughs> well, in this, you actually have the three Groucho brothers. Yeah, yeah. The, the three Marx brothers, all Groucho, basically. And it is, it's hard in a few of those scenes to tell which one is which. Yeah. You almost think that it is Groucho and they're just playing off like he's not actually trapped in the bathroom because the scene goes, they, they trap. Chico, uh, the Chicolini traps Groucho in the bathroom and he goes to tries to steal the war plans because uh, Fredonia is going to war with Sylvania and you see him lock Groucho in and, and then put the makeup on but you almost think it's a slight of edit and that it's actually Groucho again but it's not it is actually because <laughs> they look so similar it was it's eerie really uh, you know and, and it's not like it's that much makeup. It's it's black shoe polish on the, you know, lips. It's grease, yeah, grease, grease paint, paint over the and some and some glasses and trying to cover up as much as your face so it can only show so much. It works for Groucho a little less so for Bella Lugosi. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't quite work so well in that regard. No, no. Uh, so <laughs> this film though, uh, it. It, it's I was impressed it's only like a, a hour and eight minutes long uh, Glenn do you feel there may be some footage or some such that are sitting on the cutting room floor or do you believe that this is kind of just how they they paced this out and that they uh, that it was just meant to be a shorter film I think that's just how how it got done I mean mm -hmm. there weren't I mean, there were a lot of movies were shorter back then too mm-hmm so I mean, it's not like you know you generally, you generally didn't have your your uh, you know two and a half hour long motion pictures. Um, I mean, I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. It, I mean, it didn't seem that short to me. It's it's what an hour and eight minutes, I think. Hour and eight minutes. Mm -hmm. So it is. Yeah, I suppose that yeah. is a little shorter, but I mean. It it does jump around just a little bit though. I mean, because we go from, it, it's, it, I guess it's it's the difference in old school film storytelling versus the new film storytelling. Because I mean, we jump right from the dancing scene with "Hey, we're going to war" to they're in the middle of the war. <laughs> I mean, they're they're already well into the war when we jump to 
the scene where he's uh, dressed in various captain outfits uh, <laughs> throughout the throughout the battle, talking about which hills get captured, um, which has a great scene in there with uh, Ciccolini coming over and punching in to an actual time clock. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah. Which uh, you look at the you look at the comedy that they set you know and some of these other and you could still see their influences today in comedy maybe not as much but especially like for the comedies I grew up with the eighties comedies and that you you can't tell me the Zucker brothers weren't Marx Brothers fans um, with some of the comedy that they did Don w- would you say that uh, a lot of the stuff like you've seen in like we saw in Duck Soup and a couple of their other films, really kind of we still see today in some form? Oh, without a doubt. Um, without a doubt. Um, again, um, you can see you can see influences of, of Marcho Gra- March- <laughs> Marcho Marcho Marx. That guy. Wow. Okay. That guy. The guy with the grease paint. Yeah, you can see. I mean, you can see his influence. You can see all of their influence, uh, from iconic gags to simply the way lines are spoken. Um, I thought was actually known for trying to mimic uh, uh, Groucho Marx's linguistic style of humor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I. The, the gags, yeah, absolutely. You can see that they that the like you said, the Zuckerbergs were were influenced by them. Absolutely. Yeah, because you look at their their films, their early films, um, with the parody ones, which are still some of the best parody films out there. Uh, and some of the skits in there, you're looking at they're going, "Hey, that was a Groucho gag," <laughs> which probably wasn't their gag either. Like. Docs, you know, they just kind of own, they're, they're associated with it because they made it famous, you know, along that line. Some of these gags have been around forever since the vaudeville age um, in various stages, and they still work. They, they, they still get the laugh, um, as does Duck Soup. Now, uh, you may be wondering what, what trivia is. Well, uh, our contest here in Stevens Point, World's Largest Trivia Contest, they play 54 hours of trivia where they ask questions on the radio and it could be on anything but the trivia kickoff movie which was duck soup as we mentioned earlier uh, they do ask specific questions along that lines and uh, some of the questions most of it usually is what's written on signs or things you can't quite look up in scripts um i i would say well, wouldn't you, Don? That that's that's what they try to lean towards. Sometimes is is something you can't easily Google. Uh, exactly. Yeah. They so oh, very specific, very specific sequences or or things that can't just be. Sometimes it can be found in like the trivia bits of of certain things, but oftentimes, yeah, it's it's something visual that you actually have to look at. Right. Like one of the questions was what was written on a sign that Pinky hung outside the door of their uh, headquarters during the war, I think it was, or something along that line. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) Sorry. No, no, it's okay. (sighs) That's 
that was exactly my reaction as the question was being spoken. <laughs> it was, oh, help wanted. Um, <laughs> or you could get the other question. What was written on uh, what kind? What sign did Pinky carry besides the help wanted sign on the door? There was another sign he carried to help try to get soldiers for the Fredonia army. Join the army, see the navy. Yes. Yep. <laughs> So you get questions like that, um, and, but it could be on anything. This is why we've got to try to get you on in, in, up here to play, <laughs> Doc, because... Apparently I'm playing too well already, yes. You're playing too well already, yes. Uh, have you not earning us valuable trivia points? No, I you see, have, have to be that. up here, for, which the points are based off of how many teams actually answer correctly, which I always thought was an interesting and probably the best way to do that. Uh, that it's a good gauge of how hard your question is, is how many people were able to look it up. Uh, Glenn, uh, what did you think of the contest this year and their choice of duck soup for the kickoff movie? Did you think that was fitting? I think so. Mm -hmm. and, be, and, and why would that be fitting for a trivia movie, would you say? Oh, gosh, there's just there's so many memorable things in it. Mm-hmm. So I mean, just some of the lines, some of the some of the things that happened. I mean, yeah, the the signs that Pinky's carrying around. Um, just yeah, it's got a lot of memorable stuff to it. And and in the years prior, uh, up until what is it, like maybe five years ago, he did try to get like hard to find independent films, and then uh, Jim Oliva, who uh, helps, he he basically uh, helps organize this along with the. Uh, Jim, uh, John Eckendorf, uh, they they pick they do all kinds of work for this uh, contest, but they started picking the more classic films. And uh, as if you heard our podcast last year, we talked. They showed Blues Brothers last year. Yeah. Uh, Don, what do you think about them doing the classic films like this? Do you think it it makes it more fun? I I think so. Um, the movies are. I, it's much more enjoyable and it's it's much more of a treat, at least for me, to see some of these classic movies on the big screen because these opportunities are rare. So mm -hmm. being able to see movies like Casablanca, um, Singing in the Rain. Um, Dr. Strangelove. Dr. Strangelove was the one that was killing me. <laughs> <laughs> the Blues Brothers on the big screen. <laughs> Those would be wonderful, although, to be completely honest, I regret not seeing Priscilla Queen of the Desert on the big screen when I had the opportunity. Ah, yes. that That's a fun movie, uh, yeah, definitely. But, 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 yeah, I, I like the classic ones. It just, I guess it has a little bit more of a trivia feel to it. it, it yeah. It's hard to explain, but it seems well, more and, fitting. And and here's a big thing about duck soup. Um, it's it's one of the more appreciated Marx Brothers movies, but uh, they typically one of the beautiful things about trivia is the music, which we really got into last year on the Blues Brothers discussion. Um, and one of his staple songs for the contest is from Animal Crackers. Captain Spaulding. Yes. So, yeah, so the craziness with it, you've got the question, the traditional question of what is the performing 
names of the Marx Brothers film, uh, Marx Brothers, uh, which uh, always gets the phones burning. <laughs> and <laughs> they play Captain Spaulding. They sometimes ask other questions that are, are Marx Brothers related. So it, it was a fitting choice. And we were trying to make predictions while we were waiting in line what the movie was going to be because they never announce it. Uh, until you go see it midnight Friday, and uh, I I kind of guessed it, so I, I'm throwing that in there that I did I did kind of guess it once I heard a couple of the hints that he had dropped. So uh, you know I should have got some valuable trivia points for that, but we won't go there. No, just kidding. Well, <laughs> fair enough. You did not get the fabulous um, master predictor prize because no, no, Mark, Mark does deservedly so predicted a question just from what we were talking about what what they were talking about and yeah i mean he he got that he he bought the jordy nelson uh cereal box uh and they actually asked a question off of that well and played then yeah yeah no kidding yeah he he saw it in a store and he's like you know i bet that's probably going to be a question and he actually bought a box and sure shit <laughs> Did he eat said cereal and was it good? He did I, not. Did not get opened yet. It is currently sitting oh. in my kitchen. <laughs> to where it'll probably stay till next trivia. Which is where it'll probably stay until next trivia. Then become a shrine to trivia. Understood. <laughs> well, no, because you never know. He may ask another question off the box. <laughs> Still eat, eat the contents and keep the box but whatever well but that's uh, it's a rather old box i think i don't think those are exactly fresh no i oh, think it is oh, oh is it is it I a fresh because i thought those have been out for a while i don't know but i don't know if they did one wave of those or not so <laughs> never if you so, bought it six months ago i wouldn't want to eat the inter in internals either yeah yeah cereal not as much <laughs> but they ask he that's what oz asks as well cereal box packaging uh candy bar packaging wow uh, he, okay yeah no he did he's done candy bars he's done you name it if it's a food product <laughs> usually, much. Okay. usually candy or cereal um you know like the games that they have on the back of cereal boxes he has this strange fashion fascination with boom chicka pop too Yes. Well, that's because it goes along with the song, and it just fits so well, I think. I suppose that's true. Did Did he ask a Boom Chicka Pop song, uh, question this year? Yeah, he did. did? I, well, I might have been sleeping for that one. I think that uh, was when you were sleeping, yes. Yeah. So, uh, Glenn, did you have... or passed out at that point? No, no, I, I chose <laughs> to sleep. Oh, Glenn, okay. did you have a favorite question this year from trivia? That you can remember? Uh, <laughs> Favorite question? No, not really. No. Or, or one in particular that uh, subject you, got, you did not expect, perhaps what, that what was up? no. There, there's ones that made me mad. <laughs> uh, us not getting getting points because we pronounced a name Katie instead of Kidai. Uh, yes. <laughs> because you know the DJs always pronounce everything correctly. Yeah. <laughs> that is part of the challenge of trivia is is sometimes we they have the newer DJs because it is a, it's completely student run so 
uh, you have the uh, you know new student new DJs as well reading questions and they get nervous because they know that tens you know ten thousand people are listening uh, for sure. And so they get a little nervous and sometimes interpreting the question is as much of a challenge as the contents of said question itself. <laughs> we had a few of those, I think, uh, especially yeah, Saturday night. <laughs> but it's all in fun, all for a fundraiser for the radio station. And, and it's, if you like the energy of Duck Soup, uh, that's kind of the energy and the chaos that can come during trivia. Uh, is that type of uh, feeling that kind of uh, uh, you, you just keep going for 54 hours and there's so much stuff. But the most important part, as always, is just getting together with fine folks face to face and experiencing said things where they ask questions like, you know, uh, how was Mrs. Teasdale vaccinated? Uh, according to Rufus T. Firefly. Huh? Phonograph needle? Yes. See, you got to come up and play, Doc. You just, you, I'm I winning. Keep, I'm a winner. You're, you're a winner. <laughs> winning nothing. The, the videos of Mark dancing are nothing compared to seeing it in person. Oy. I, <laughs> I, I know I of saw one. the CG recreation of such, and that was pretty good. Okay. Uh, yeah, go. there, there are three. I just don't know if I posted all of them yet. There's three? I saw one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear Lord. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm naughty <laughs> so uh, I hope you enjoyed our ramblings we're going to wrap it up here Duck Soup it is an hour long not a huge amount of depth here to this movie but still a lot of fun and I wanted to do it just because uh, of trivia and talk a little bit about the contest which is always crazy fun and try to get more people to know about said contest so they can come to our little sliver of Wisconsin almost dead center. We're 30 miles away from the exact geographic center of Wisconsin. Just just want to put that out there. I think so. Pittsville is like 30 miles away, isn't it? About that? Don, do you know offhand? I don't know. Oh. Yes, I we have a town. I don't know people where Wisconsin is. I open up my hand, point in the center, and I say there. Yes, because th- there is a town called Pittsville, which is about 30 miles away, that has a sign, and they take pride in the fact they are the exact geographic center of Wisconsin. So we're close as we can to get being there. And uh, we have a fun time during trivia. And you should come up and take part in the zaniness, especially you film fans out there, because uh, I know we got a couple questions thanks to Glenn's uh, great memory on films as well. Um, and if, if you have any type of knowledge to where people go, how the hell do you know that? Well, then you should come up and, and play trivia. So. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll wrap it up here tonight uh thanks for listening to us ramble a bit on this uh we'll go down the line now and see where you can catch people at when they're not here go ahead dawn you can find me at in the audience.net but if you really really want some fun go to 90 fm trivia yes 90 fm.org slash trivia i think it is or is it 90FM Trivia? I'll put a link in the notes. Um, but just search for uh, Trivia 48, and it'll get you there. <laughs> They'll have the scores and, and highlights. There's a parade. There's all kinds of crazy things up here uh, that you should come and experience firsthand because that's the only way you'll understand why we do what we do every year. 
Uh, Glenn, where can they find you at? Oh, you can find me on Facebook with the BBB Bunker and Kind of Bunker Productions. Find me uh, also on Astro Radio Z. You can find me on my gaming podcast with GNCast.com, The Adventure Party. Or you can just follow me on Twitter at Guy in a Bunker. Awesome. And Doctavius, where can they see you on stage? Remind me to buy back my introduction to you. Um, oh yes. Well, you, you, the check hasn't <laughs> the check hasn't cleared yet. So you know, if you put a check in that envelope, I'll fire you. <laughs> okay. Very quickly, uh, I I get to play with a bunch of people in the Boozy Bard uh, Shakespeare Raw Group, and it's a good time and it's fun. And we pick a name out of a hat and we play a Shakespearean character in front of a group of people who normally laugh and cheer and boo and occasionally yell things inappropriately and then we yell things back inappropriately next show is may 8th 9th and 10th at best place 901 west juno avenue down in that area where the paps brewery used to be and now all sorts of other pap stuff kind of is and reopening and things like that show starts at 7 30 we're doing coriolanus in may and if you don't have time for that, I'm not in the show, but I'll be going to the <laughs> War II Galactic Boogaloo show at Variety Hour Happy Hour, May 5th and 6th. That's a Friday and a Saturday. Those are at 8 o'clock at Comedy Sports, 420 South, 1st Street. A lot of the group from Shakespeare Raw is in that, wrote that, and are being very silly. And I'm looking forward to it, even though I have no clue what's going to happen. <laughs> that's, that's always the most exciting part is when you don't know when things are going to happen or what things are going to happen. it's true and especially for something like a, a comedy sports type thing that definitely gets unpredictable as i think we all have experienced here first well it's so. it's at comedy sports but it is scripted uh, oh it show. is more scripted it's, it's, okay. it's in the it's in the the secondary uh room ah the okay i got you they have two cool at least Awesome. So check out these fine folks and all of their stuff. We we appreciate you listening to us tonight. Uh, hope uh, it got you interested. If you ever wondered, you know, I don't want to watch that. That's that's old crap. Uh, well, it's not all old crap. Some of that classic stuff is classic for a reason, and you should watch it, especially if you enjoy a good comedy that doesn't resolve re- re- revolve around uh, dick jokes and puking. Um, <laughs> it's a lot of comedies seem to do nowadays so with that in hand uh, I think we will say goodnight folks say goodnight folks night folks